0: Welcome to the Sisters in Service podcast. My name is Kat Cortado, also known as the voice connecting women veterans nationwide. This podcast is for anyone connected with the military, from veterans, male and female military spouses, military brats, even parents who may have children who are in the military. As an Air Force veteran, I understand the trials and triumphs that women veterans go through in service and out of service. And so I wanted to find a way that I could put it out there into the airwaves and let everyone know what we're going through and find a way and a solution to what's happening to us in the service. I also like to highlight these women who are business owners, they're entrepreneurs, they're bosses in their business. And so I hope that you will follow me, you will share, and you will subscribe to this podcast, which comes out every week on Tuesdays. And as always, please stay safe, take care of each other. Until next time, and it's never too late to start your impossible. Welcome, Sisters in Service, to another episode of our podcast. And you know me, I'm Kat Corchado. And my guest today is Lynn Geiser. And Lynn is an Army veteran. Uh, She's president of the Hope for Veterans uh, 501c3, But I really wanted to speak to her about being a single parent in the military with a special needs child for this segment. So as you guys know, I've been doing several segments on this because it was just something that was close to my heart when I heard someone else speaking about who was not a veteran. And it made me start thinking about how military families are dealing with the situation. So welcome,
1: Lynn. Well thank you for inviting me um and being able to tell the story to help other women veterans. Of course I just think it's very
0: important to even though I don't have a special needs child but it's it's important for me to learn and to be able to tell this story so that other people listening listening in can hear your story and whether they're active duty or veteran understand that they weren't alone in this journey. So I always ask my veterans this question, did you pick the army or did the army pick you?
1: Well, I was actually in high school at the time and they came out and I believe I would say the army picked me because if it would have been air force coming in, I probably would have signed up for the air force. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what we always say. On the thing. It was like, Oh, I wanted to fly in planes, but I was working on that area, but never got to be a flight flight uh, attendant or flight uh, pilot. But um, but yeah, no, the army picked me, and uh, I always say I use my feet.
0: All right, so Lynn, did you go under the dreaded general, or what was your job in the military?
1: Well, when I first started, because I got, I, I did it a different way than most people do. You, most people go in and they go active duty immediately. I actually went in, served the ninety three to ninety four. A while I was in high school. And then I went into, um, I went into, um, uh, National Guard for six years. And during that six years, I was still, I uh, was an 88 Mike and I went from E1 to E4 through the National Guard. And then something was missing. Um, but I also had a, I was a single mom at the time too. So when I got in and I said something, I just got to do it. I just got to do it. So finally, um, I was given the opportunity to hand the child over to the father because he had an opportunity. And I went active duty in 2000, and uh I was still an eighty-eight Mike and I served actually when I did went in, I was actually a school oriented, which they call consider it you don't do as much wartime um because you're you're dealing with the Rangers and the E fives, E fours, any training battalion. And so that's I became well, I was an eighty eight Mike for my whole year, my whole career. Okay,
0: let me ask In you years. a question. Because I was Air Force, please explain what an eighty-eight Mike is.
1: Oh, that's no problem. Eighty-eight Mike. The the short term is a truck driver. The longer term is transportation, um, supporting schools through transportation. The nicer say- way of saying it. <laughs> Got it.
0: Because as an Air Force person, I'm like, okay, that sounds really cool. Eighty-eight Mike. It just sounds like you. Said, yep, eighty-eight Mike. Come back. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah. So we drove, You know, when, when you see a woman and you're a 100-pound 100 100 woman driving a semi, people are like, oh, really? And then we trained. It was so fun, interesting because the young men that were coming in did not know how to drive standards. And so I was one of the teachers.
0: Oh, wow. To show
1: them how to do stick. And these are old, old. Drivers. Oh, yeah, the ones that stick, <laughs>
0: the gears stick. Yeah. yeah, I remember uh, my son was getting ready to drive, and I had – I don't know if y'all even remember if you're even old enough to remember. It was a Chevrolet Chevette. My brother called mm-hmm. it a puddle jumper, and my my son was getting ready to to learn how to drive. And I said, "You're going to drive on a stick, okay? Mm-hmm. Because if you can drive this, you can drive anything." And he was so angry with me for so long. And a few years ago, he's now in his 40s. And he said, I'm so glad you taught me how to do that. I said, see, I knew you would appreciate me at some point mm-hmm. in time for doing that.
1: <laughs> so and that my first car, my first car was a, you know, the, the, the movie, uh, Wayne's World. That was my first car too. Oh, the wow. Shelbys. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I had never learned how to shift gears. And the guy who sold me the car took me out back of the dealership and showed me how to shift. I didn't even know how to do it. I know. It was just, yeah, I was scared for so long. And then it was like, oh, why was I so scared? So you're in the military.
1: And then all of a sudden, when do you get your son? because I did the six years National Guard, I had my son the whole time. I was a single parent um, at, during that process. And I knew something was missing. So I had an opportunity to give the child to my the father. the so, um, um, And so I figured, I thought at that moment, it was the right thing to do, even though he didn't have a lot of time with him. So I did that. I went in in 2000. And I spent 2000 To 2000, the early years of 2003, I've been, I, for two years, I fought the um, attorneys to get custody back because it was my second enlistment and they, they didn't know that. Um, So it considered a second enlistment, you could have your children. And so I finally, I got, the only reason why I got custody is the stepmother abused him. And so I emergency, emergency went and got and picked him up and the unit was not happy at all because my job shifted. Um, my ability to be out in the field twenty four seven shifted, and I became I became, became an excellent soldier to a a soldier that can't do anything overnight because my son was autistic.
0: So he has autism and ADHD, correct?
1: Yes. At back in those days, they did they didn't really know the what statistics. it was. They, yeah. yeah, it was autistic. He is high functioning. Um, So if you give him math and science, he was an expert at it. He was a a student on that piece of it. But if it was, it was the, it was the behaviors um, that really, and he didn't, he needed special treatment and he was in the special, special school, uh, not special school, but special uh, thing IEPs um, when they, what they say these days. Right. Um, So anything that way. So do you think that the
0: military, the army in particular labeled you? When she became a single parent?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was a target. The first thing they said was, where's your family care plan? I didn't even get him here yet. Where's your family care plan? If you don't have a family care plan, you're getting kicked out. That was the first thing they said to me. That's awful. Yeah. There was a lot of other things going on. Like I had some, well, because I spent three years in the field. I mean, this was, can you imagine camping twenty four seven? the only time you come out, come back, come out would be to take a shower and maybe have a good meal. Um, most of the time I spent in the in the field was a lot of a lot of junk food and a whole bunch of stuff. But in that process, I I, I served my time, you know, three years, almost three years, hanging out with the Ranger Battalion, hanging out with Enoch Benak Officer Schools, any of the schools that needed us, and we were rotating lots. Um, I even, I spent, I had my family as more Rangers than it was my unit. So when I came back and I had to come out of the field, they didn't even really know who I was. The only person that knew who I was was platoon sergeant because he had to work with me. The lieutenants, the commanders, anything higher up had no idea who I was even. For three years, I was there.
0: So they made, so, they pretty much made an assumption. They just assumed that you couldn't do your job because you're a single parent and the only reason I say that is because I came into the military as a single parent way back in the day. So 1979, yes, I said it. I came in under <laughs> delayed enlistment and I believe in January of 1980 because I didn't become active until March, they had stopped single parents from coming in without the family yep. care plan. And I remember going to boot camp and we're signing all this, you know, filling out all this paperwork. And my T I, my training instructor, calls me in and he goes, How did you get in the service with you know with a dependent? I was like, I don't know, y'all let me in. I don't know what to tell you. And it was because of that. And I thought, holy crap. But there was a stigma. And so when I first went in, they were like, oh, here we go. We got a single parent. And it was single parents were lazy. Single parents couldn't do their yep. job. They were never here because their kid was always sick. So yep. I had to prove that I could do not only do the job, but be able to, if there was something due, it was in their basket early, that there was there weren't any issues. So that when there was an issue, i.e., my son had... Chicken pox and I hadn't, which is a big red flag that when I needed time off, that they didn't have a problem with it. And I had such, I had really good supervisors who, when I had a PCS, they would call my follow on base and my supervisor and say, you're getting a single parent, but she's good to go. Don't worry about her. She's, she's got everything together. But I know as a single parent that it it's hard number one it's hard it's hard being a parent number one number two the load is doubled because you're a single parent and yeah. then also tripled because you're having to deal with the prerequisites of your job and then you're a single parent and then you're a soldier etc cetera, etc cetera. so i always tell people that you know i always had a team with me and my team was me myself and i so you never get that time off. What was that like for you? You've got a child who's autistic, ADHD. you have your commander or supervisors on your back because they feel as though they assume that you can't do the job. You know, and being a single parent, how did did that ever collide? Like it all just, it was a big old pile sandwich, if
1: you know what I mean. It, I think in the end it did. Um, I think, you know, when you, you, uh, uh, to go back a little bit, you, you mentioned when you got in, uh, I laughed because when I first got in, in, in the National Guard also, I never, when I got pregnant, they, they sent me home for nine months. They never told me to come in and I got paid for it. <laughs> this was a National Guard. Oh so, my God. So this was way before the act of duty. And when you said, How did you get in with the child? Well, I was, they considered that a second enlistment. And so for me to get in, I did have to give, I did give custody to a part custody to my father, the father of the child. Uh, that was a wrongdoing in the end. Um, but um, because in the end, my son was so because of his autism and ADHD, before I got him, while he was with the, his father for the year to two years, he was placed in inpatient care twice because he could not handle him. And one of them was the, the week of 4th of July. So that's a sti- that was a stigma. So now you got the trauma that he faced And then I said, and then he got abused. So I finally got custody of him after fighting two years with the attorneys. So I've got that piece of it. Being in the field for three years, my mental health and the my physical. To this day, I'm still fighting to this physical and mental health. um, The eating habit issues. um, To this day, I didn't ever put it together until ten years later. But as far as a child, when I got custody of him, when I was on post and I put him on post, we had a special teacher. And because of that special teacher, she would actually watch him if I had an emergency. And it was interesting because it was, it was the support. We did have a child care, uh, a home child care provider also, but I did spend a lot of times. And at the end of my 2003 to 2004 was the time that I got red flagged. I had Within a a few month process, I had so many article 15s for talking back to an officer for supposedly not having a family care plan in the beginning, even though I had it 24 seven. They couldn't go after me for that. So they went after me for other things. So there was a lot of, a lot of issues as soon as that, that, that I got custody of the child because I was placed out of the field and the main purpose for that unit was being placed in the In the field. Yes. And they they did everything in their powers to flag me to, um, like you say, your your mother, you you can't do anything anymore. There was so much, even as a unit, when I started getting out of the field, we had so many, what do they used to call them? Drills? Yes. Drills that they would lock, lockdown drills. We had one every two weeks. And the family would be stuck in the unit for eight to 10 hours at a time and no food. And it was just things like that that the unit, when I got to the point at the end of my time frame in 2004, um, it was besides having an autistic son who I was struggling with because not just because of that, because of everything he did behavior wise, then also fighting the unit, it was a lot of a lot of pieces to the puzzle that. And I even put myself on Germany orders that the unit stopped because they didn't know who I was. And I had to, it took me four and a half to five months to get the unit to get my orders because he was a special child. He needed to be. We needed to be. It was next time Germany, and he had to be near a hospital. He needed to be near medical attention. Um, they also found out I needed that too um, in the end. But it the orders were stopped and I was kicked out of the military.
0: So let me go back a little bit. How soon after the birth of your child, did you know that he was autistic and had ADHD at what age did was your child before you realized that this was an issue?
1: Um, Right. Actually right around the time that I got him from the military. It was um, he, I was able to handle him without medication and whatever the case may be. When, as soon as the father received custody of him, he started medicating him. He started putting him inpatient. And then that's when he was completely diagnosed by a doctor. Um, and then I got custody of him from that. So it was more between um, starting the age of probably five-ish. Um, that was the oldest one that I have today. Um, the younger one, we do have another one who was diagnosed very early um, because we could tell with his behaviors immediately when he was before, before school started.
0: So all this is happening. And yet you have no one on your side who's rallying for you, like fighting that fight for you.
1: No, because what had happened is I spent most of my time in the field. So the only people that really knew me were the ranger battalion, the officer school officer school wasn't as much a connection ranger battalion, because we spent a lot of time there. Um, We were like their, their partners. They were, they were my sister, my sister, brother, whatever it was, they called me their sister. Um, that was the only place that really, really felt connected when I was in. And that was actually the time also nine eleven hit. I was there at that same time. Um, I even got shingles in the field with the ranger. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I spent the, the nights there at the ranger battalion. And how you, you long know, were you
0: guys out there camping? Like, at, Oh, said? we,
1: we spent 45, 50 days with them all through oh, the whole process. Lord.
0: The only thing that <laughs> I want to do close to camping, I think it's called glamping. That's right up my alley. No, we, we I wouldn't have made it time. in the Army. I'm just going to put it out there. I am fessing up. I wouldn't have made it, which is why I'm <laughs> glad I went to Air Force. They call it Chair Force, and
1: yes, it is, and I'm happy about it. <laughs> well, to, I don't regret going in because of the experience, because I got to hang from helicopters. We got to play fun games. Um, I, there is always the negative pieces to it, too, that, you know, I've got. I found out many, many years later that the shingles that I did receive cause the fibromyalgia and the nerve damage and and to this day, yeah, autoimmune. And I just got a testy just this week and it's mm-hmm. showing that I need some help. Mm-hmm. But, um, but uh, it, to this day, my kid is 25 years old and still needs help. Yeah. So, but while I was in the military, um, uh, the support system that I had was my unit did uh, not have my back. When you say I got your six, that makes me chills because they that were not happen against for me. you? No. They took my phone away. They refused to let me have an attorney. Um, there was so much little pieces to it. It was so much disrespect. I mean, I could probably write a book on how much disrespect. Um, I got out, even with my family care plan, even with the military and how much my, my son needed help, they got me out on a dishonorable discharge.
0: Oh, my goodness. With my medical
1: discharge. I fought it. I, I got operatable and stuff like that. But that's why I do what I do today. Um, it's because of my experience with my, my child. It's my experience because of the military. I, maybe I would take some things back when some people say, well, I wouldn't take anything back. But I would take some things back. I think if I went in today, I think I'd be a stronger woman. And I would have been able to fight better, fight. what I knew, I knew today.
0: I was going to ask you, looking back, because, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I was going to ask you if there was anything you would have done different, or could you? <laughs> Sometimes the situation is the situation, and there's nothing you can do about it. So looking back on that situation, is there something you would have done differently, or could you have done anything differently?
1: Um, with the situation I was in, the lieutenant had all, all, I literally got to the point where I was faced with the battalion commander of the post, That's how high I went. And by then I was already angry with the world. Um, I was already, nobody had my back. I was already put on extra duty. And even I had a son. They said if I didn't have my son, they threatened me many times. If I did not have my son there, they would have put me in jail. That's how detailed. It was a threat because they they had nothing to go against it. Um, And they dropped, many years later, 15 years later, they dropped every charge except for one. And I can't fight that chart, but that was prior to the prior to the mental health. But also, I was sexually assaulted in two thousand three before I got my custody of my child. It was from the platoon sergeant that I trusted, and to this day, as a counselor, any counselor I see, anybody I, the trust, and even the counselor said the same thing: the trust is a major issue for you. Yes. Yeah.
0: Wow, and that's just. I mean, I don't even know what to say to that because when you feel like, and I've felt like that at times, when you feel like you're just all alone and nobody is there to help you. It's it's just you and you have to deal with that. And have you thought of, I've, I've heard of stories that at certain points, depending on what happened, that you could get your dishonorable discharge um, upgraded have you tried doing that?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, uh, What had happened is because I went National Guard first, I have an honorable discharge from that. Then I went, and this is what saved me. I spent three plus years at this, I'll say Fort Benning, Fort Benning's where I was, um, at Fort Benning, Georgia, and I spent three years. I re-enlisted because I was in school, And they asked me if, if I wanted to, to extend because, because of the school piece that would give me more schooling. So I said, okay, I'll reinstate. So I was supposed to do six years there. And those three years I served were honorable. Then I served the last, the fourth year I got into my fourth year. And that fourth year went way downhill, very fast, very fast, red tape, um, issues with my son meant medical. I was on a medical board and they stopped it the only way to stop it is article 15s and these are things like talking back to an officer all these things and 15 years later they finally dismissed it 15 years wow. if if when i got out 2 years later i i fought and i finally got my upgrade um i went from a dishonorable the last one because i have an honorable i have two honorables and i have a dis, a dis a dishonorable and that dishonorable it was a lot of fighting a lot of fighting for the 911 um GI Bill, a lot of fighting for anything I had. Um, I had to prove who I was. And I had to prove the day I got out, I still had to prove to the day. To this day, I still have to prove. Um, and it just, it's, and that's why these women, I mean, not to go into out of it, but these women are not being heard and they're not, you know, even with the VA system, but we won't go into too much detail on that one. But yeah, this I could be a two why, hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I could see why. And this is way, I guess you can say, this is why I did what I do, what I do, because mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to feel the way I felt. And that was the worst time in my life. And, and I got out in September 24th, 2004, single mom, homeless sleeping on the streets. Um, even when I got out, um, at first I transferred to Columbus, which is right outside the gate. And I couldn't do it because the school districts, it's interesting how the military school districts were so high compared to the area I was in Columbus, Georgia, where it was three to four years difference. It was Mm. so low, low income, so behind school. So we moved, we eventually moved back to Wisconsin where I was originally. And I became homeless for a while. I did three, three years of, um, trying to find a job, just a whole bunch of stuff. I was, and to this day, I feel guilty because after I got out being homeless, I still wasn't, I still wasn't a good mom. And and I'm being honest with people. I I had a became a, I had a babysitter the whole time I was going to school full time. I was doing two jobs full time, just to survive. Absolutely, and, it's and hard. To that time, it is. It is. And I lost my identity. I lost my identity. I wanted to serve 20 years. I wanted to be a, a warrant officer. And I was. I, there's a joke between that because I before this all hit. I did my paperwork for warrant officer school. I got a rec- two recommendations. I was going through my security clearance, and that was a high-tech security clearance. I got my security clearance the day I found out I was getting discharged.
0: So you were talking about the honorable discharges versus the dishonorable. Which one were they looking at? Because to me, you, know, you have dishonorable, you got honorable, you have honorable. They and they totally at the looked at that. They didn't look at the honorable at all.
1: No, no. They, they gave me credit for some of the GI Bill, but um, for the GI Bill itself, they gave me credit, but then they took it back. Some, most of it. They're like, we're going to give you hundred percent. But when I went through the schooling and got all, all out of it paid. They're like, Oops, they, sorry. They, here you owe $5,000. You owe $6,000. Put me into a debit. Oh so, God. and I fought and couldn't do anything with it. So I did a lot of fighting after I got out. <laughs> right. So let's talk but, a
0: little bit. You've mentioned a little bit about resources. What, if any resources were available at to you at that time, or did you even have a chance to look into these resources for your no, child? When
1: I, when I got out, um, when, when I was in the military, I had great resources in the general idea. I had the childcare. We, they, they, the whatever. Uh, when I was became homeless, of course, it's survival. It's the s- survival fittest, whatever. I uh, got out and I spent about three and a half years, at least three and a half years fighting to survive, fighting to pay the bills, fighting to just live. Um, and at that time, the father, their father was still in the picture. So he, we did have some, some, um, counseling pieces to it, but. Um, for me, I wanted of course, I wanted nothing to do with the military, nothing to do with the military. It took me fifteen years of fighting just to just to do just to be part of it again um and that started becoming a counselor that's where i where it's where I started becoming part of it again um but yeah, no there for me, I really didn't care to even look for resources because. I was just barely surviving, and that was not the top of the top of the chain. It was you—you you got food, and for any family that is homeless, the food and, and security safety is first.
0: Absolutely, so. you know. I was thinking back that I think my son—they would have probably said he was ADHD because he was yeah. super hyperactive. Yep. But
1: back in those days, they don't say autism.
0: Yeah, he was just, I mean, this child did not take naps. This child was up from 6 a.m. and went to bed at 10 p.m. and would be just as energetic the next day. And someone had mentioned back in the day, they used to call, they would say, oh, what about Ritalin? But he was at an age then when he was pretty much controlling it. You know, when I look back now, I'm glad that I didn't go that route because he had to learn how to control Whatever it is, he's he was dealing. He learned how to control it himself, and so I'm so glad that I didn't go the. Ma- I'm so anti medication, not just for me. You know, yes. um, number one, I hate taking pills, so that that's.
1: <laughs> yes, that's probably I'm a something. Big, big with factor that. on that one,
0: but I just want to say that. What kind of advice would you give to that woman, you? when you were going through that, what kind of advice would you give her right now?
1: Well, it was in or out. Yes. There's that, two different. <laughs> no well, pressure. When, when, I know. I know. Well, when, uh, when you talk about Redalyn, um because of the father actually started putting him on that stuff, it, 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 it really pushed him behind. I mean, he was the shortest in his class for years and uh, when, it, when he, he took himself off of it, when he became a senior, junior, senior, and we didn't even know it, and he grew 12 inches overnight. Oh, my gosh. And, and so he's, he, with, with, I don't know if it was retolin or whatever the case may be, but he still not, he cannot function without some kind of, I want to say behavioral drug, and it's not always prescribed. Right. Um so he he's he deals with that a lot, right? Even to the, to this day he can't even work a job without something inside his system. Yes. So it's it's a little bit struggle on that end, but um and so you want we wanted to talk about, you know, what I would tell myself if I well if it's Right. What would or- you
0: Yeah, what would you So let's do it in two different ways. You're okay. talking to the younger you while you're in the military. What would you tell her about strength about you're going to get through this, and also that person that got out and found out she had nothing. She was homeless. She was trying to put two and two together and coming up with zero. So both instances for anyone that might be listening.
1: I think today, because of what I do, uh, it kind of helps, I mean, because most people do not like to seek out help. Um, I think for even being in active duty, I did seek a lot of, while I was active duty, I seeked attorney, I seeked a counselor, and it wasn't, it was to the point that there was nothing I could do because you're fighting the m- active duty military. So that, and, and then re, when I got out in the general idea, the resources, I was surviving. So that was, a, it was kind of another piece of it. But I guess if, if I had to go backwards, I guess that's the easy way of saying it, I would have probably, I would have probably seen my more more of my options um, if I would have because I wasn't I didn't have all the education. Right. Um, I needed I needed more of the options. I, when I got out of the military, they didn't give me any resources. They didn't give me. They said, "Here's one piece of paper. Get it signed and get the heck out." That's ex- exactly what I have. A piece of paper from the top battalion commander telling me never to come back on my post again, literally signed. So much for
0: transition, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! No, no, no. no, There was no transitioning. Kick out of the place, and that was it. I mean, to this point, I my name has changed now. But to this point, I think I've been I've been back on board, Benny, because my name has changed. But but you know that was back in those days, and I believe, and I'm not going to go too much into it. But um, I ended up going taking up a few jobs afterwards, the DoD positions, and I did not realize this until I walked into a room with this general. And we had to work and this was, I never, well, I never worked with this guy before in the, in long, long time. Right. Um, Cause it was always a DOD. You never really see these high ranking people unless it's a major, major meeting. Well, I walked into this office one time and this guy goes, I know you. And I said, I, I had that really bad feeling about this guy. And I walked in and I did not know, I did not know why I knew this guy, whatever the case may be. I went back to my paperwork and I not, not even realize I had it. 15 page paper how incompetent how they didn't know who I was but they I was on administrative board so they had to go against me my whole unit went against me told me I was a bad soldier I would not fight with her or whatever the case may be so long story short one of the gentlemen that I had to work with in the end of many many years later I realized that he was one of those individuals no what a coincidence right I felt that, I felt, I did not know internally why, but I felt a gut feeling like I went back into time and I never, and since, since then I went back into time when I, when I had to do my claims, open my claims, uh, cause it was like 30%, 50% or whatever. If I would, I was on a medical board and if I would have gotten out on a medical board, I would have been 30% and I would have gotten TRICARE. They used it against me and never received care because they kicked me out. So to this day, I still had that guilt feeling that I should have gotten it. But there's no, I can't go backwards on this. I've, right. we've tried to fighting. We've, we fought, I got a general discharge on that's as close as I'm going to get on that one. We've fought for years. So but look anyways, at you now though.
0: I mean, oh, well, that's a strong individual. I mean, just listening to your story, there were so many times where you could have just said, yeah, done, done and done. But there's something just, about being a, a single parent and and yes. tell me if you're you're on point with this too is that it's not about you anymore. You are fighting, you are kicking, you are screaming, you are doing all of this stuff because of that child. Yeah. You're doing all this Wisconsin. stuff because this yep. child has no one else but you. So you're doing yes. everything you can within your means. It may be out, I don't know, but to make sure that this child's taken care of. You know what I mean? Were you like that too?
1: Oh, yes. When I was an actor, when I was, even at the time he, I, when I had him, it was, it was a fight. It wasn't a fight about me anymore. Um, but I was, gonna, I was getting out and um, regardless, I fought, but uh, it was all about him. It was all about what he I needed to do. That's why we did not stay in 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 Georgia. We we finally went back because it was insurance that needed to be put on back on him. It wasn't my insurance; it was the father. So I had to face that. Um, but yes, it was all about it was all about him and his needs, and it was for that for for years. Um, I did not do self care for myself. Oh, what what's that? Fifteen years ago. <laughs> that's what I. That's why self what corporate. <laughs> Self care. Yeah, I know. I I didn't know. I didn't know how to calm down. I didn't because you're what, in this because,
0: constant fight or flight.
1: Constant, you're yes, waiting for it,
0: the next thing to happen so that you can be at least in line with it. You can't get ahead of it. But you're. I I know exactly what you're talking about. You know because you're just waiting and you can't do that. That you know. You're breathing. You're you have such shallow breathing all the time because you're afraid to relax. Oh, girl. But you know what. Yeah. It makes you such a strong individual, like I didn't realize it until years later that yeah. you know i'm going to say it, I'm a badass, I am a badass. I can say that now with you know but I am good enough, <laughs> you are enough exactly. <laughs> yes. you are the president of hope for veterans tell real Tell us real quick about your why behind it and who is hope for veterans for
1: why? Why? Because I went through the journey. I fought. I've done everything from homelessness to f- trying to find the resources 15 years later to try to survive, um, to, to have that sister support. So, and I know how much it is with the, the, uh, the woven too, because they got me into that, that journey. Um, the mission continues and a woven got me into that journey of where I am today. Um, but yeah, no, the fight, um, I fought for claims. I fought for VA. I fought for all this stuff. Um, and I know there is, when I moved to Florida (laughs) being the second to third largest state, um, from Wisconsin, it was a total different piece. When I moved to Florida, God told me I needed to be here for a reason. And I wasn't too sure if I wanted to retransfer the, the nonprofit because it was started in Wisconsin. And I just knew, to this day, we, as Hope for Veterans, we do sister support. We find these women that need it. We provide the sister support. Um, and it's not, it's providing these small, small events, small um, whatever they need, financial, whatever the th- case may be, um, because... Because they don't want to come out. They don't want to come out and seek the help. So when we do that, we just have those small groups. They start to come out and they start to trust. That is, And like I said earlier, trust is a big factor in many of our women. And so as soon as that trust factor comes in, that's when they start to tell you the story. The story that I'm struggling with this. The story that I'm struggling with that. So last year we restructured everything. And so our goal is to find these women that need it to provide the, the peer-to-peer sister support and the small groups and the therapeutic art, we're just starting that, and then to provide them the benefits they deserve. I love that. And because of my journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's usually a story behind these, and you have yeah. one hell of a story. <laughs> so Lynn, I want well, to tell you, you know, thank you so much for, for being here today and telling your story. Where can people find you if they need to reach out to you?
1: Well, um, personally or website <laughs> or the... the whichever, <laughs> whichever one is, works best for you. Well, most of the, most of the people, I always just re- reach out to the Ho- um, Hope for Veterans, which is the hope. Number four, veterans with an S. org. We just updated the website. We have amazing things going on. We're just starting this meet and greet women. Um, we're more based in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Florida area. Um, this meet and greet therapeutic art where it just helps you. You know, you see a counselor, you can talk to them, but also doing that unconscious piece. Yes. And as I've seen how much it's improved and helped our women. So we are actually trying. Um, Coing along with Cohen Veterans Network right now, and we are starting in August for that. So it's going to be amazing to end into going into the gala, which we nominate our women veterans and our spouses and, you know, giving back to them to be heard and be recognized. So that is our big goal for the year.
0: Well, I love what you're doing, girl. Keep up the good work, you know.
1: You're amazing too, girl. I know. I know how much you do with that woven.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it's, it's a load. Sometimes it's a load, but it's it's so worth it, you know, to, to meet yes, other women yes. veterans and, and understand where they are and to see them open up and to it's like a flower just they bloom, it is, you know, bloom. but I want to thank you again for being here. I know you have to go but for all my listeners, as always, I'm going to say, please stay safe, take care of each other. Until next time. And always, it's never too late to start your impossible.